Hey, Sarasota, it's Bob. So it's been a wonderful grind over the past 18 months. We've had some fabulous guests. We've produced over 150 episodes. and We've had over 10,000 listens from you wonderful folks in the greater Sarasota area. It's been a lot of fun, but also it's been a lot of work. And so we've decided to take a little bit of a break until this fall. When you check out other podcasts, you're going to see that most put out a new episode only once a week. We put out two, so of course that means there's twice the work. A lot of show notes, scheduling, guests, editing, etc., etc., etc. So we've decided to take a little break for the rest of the summer and we will resume this fall. And we'll let you know. But before I sign off, can you do me a little favor? Reach out to us via Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Drop us a little note. I'd like to know more about what you want to hear when we resume in the next couple of weeks. That'd be a big help because without you, dear listener, we would not exist. As always, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful summer, and we'll be back soon where you can listen, learn, and connect. Good morning, Sarasota. This is episode 39. Not every child who attends school fits within the traditional school model. I've often thought I didn't, and that was many years ago. In today's episode, you'll hear about an innovative charter school led by one of the most enthusiastic people you will ever meet that virtually customizes and certainly personalizes the educational experiences for both student and parent. Hi, I'm Bob Williams, your host for the Sarasota Stories podcast. I truly believe if you want to understand our community, our collective culture, if you will, then a willingness to hear each other's stories is an absolute must. In fact, that's why I started this podcast, is to allow you, dear listener, a chance to connect just a little deeper with this community we call home. In each episode, I try to find the most interesting people doing good work in our town. So you can expect to hear from entrepreneurs, civic leaders, business owners, authors, philanthropists, and other influencers positively impacting Sarasota. I'm very pleased to welcome today Dr. Sharika Evans, Headmaster at Suncoast School for Innovative Studies, where their philosophy is every student, every family, every day. You'll hear Dr. Evans share one thing most people don't know about her, what a charter school is and why Sarasota County got behind the effort to open three of them, how Suncoast School is different from public schools, the innovative mentor model that they use to connect children and parents at a deeper level, how growing up poor in Mississippi motivated Dr. Evans to get her doctorate in education and much, much more. Thank you for stopping by today. It is my hope that you will listen, learn, and connect. Dr. Sharika Evans of the Suncoast School for Innovative Studies, where your tagline is every student, every family, every day. Welcome to the Sarasota Stories podcast. Thank you. (laughs) I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. And you are the principal over at Suncoast. And what I always like to start off with is what is one thing that most people don't know about you? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I think that I think I'm going to go with the fact that I have a CDL and that I drive our school bus and I pick up our students. A commercial a CDL is a commercial driver's license. Yes. Oh my goodness! So you are the you are the poster child for 
uh, was it candle maker, dishwasher, and CEO? <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's exactly how I grew up in Mississippi. But yes, it's so fun to be able to drive the school bus and I can pick up our students and take them home sometimes. It's a great way to connect with our families. Oh I goodness. adore it. My goodness. Well, you know, if if we have some uh, transportation companies out there listening to this, you may get some you may get some phone calls cuz there's a shortage of drivers right now. So, well, that's pretty that's pretty funny. Well, I do want to talk about Suncoast and um it is a charter school mm-hmm. in the Sarasota County and was started in 1999. Share with our audience, what is a charter school and why did Sarasota County decide to get behind the effort to start these three schools and particularly Suncoast? Okay, well, first of all, a charter school is a school that is kind of born from a different idea um, as opposed to um, a district school. They all are aiming to educate our children and give them the best education possible. But a charter school may just see a different path to get there that they want to focus on. And our particular instance is the multiple intelligence. We really want to highlight that and make that a focus of learning. Um, a lot of people may be used to the Montessori um, right. uh, charter school version. Right. That's, a, that's a different way of learning. Uh, it was different from just your traditional school. So it's just that. Um, Our school was one of the first schools started in Sarasota County, and I believe that Sarasota kind of got behind the idea of charter schools, number one, because Sarasota County School District is just a progressive district. They really want all of their students to be educated, and they they pride themselves in offering an amazing array of choices. Um, So I think that that's why they got behind the idea of charter school. They want mm. they want their families and to have as many options as possible and quality options. Uh, when this school was started, I, I mean, I'm from Mississippi and I was in high school. So I got to learn all of that once I got here. Our county, I mean, we're so lucky. I remember coming in from Mississippi thinking that this was so many amazing, like top-notch schools. And Sarasota really prides themselves on being able to offer quality choices for families. So it seems natural to me that they would embrace charter schools the way that they did. They are absolutely one of the leading counties in the state of Florida in terms of how they support their charter schools. So we're very lucky to be here. I'm lucky to be able to lead a charter school in this county. Right. So you're you're actually a part. Are you a part of the public school system in the district itself or are you separate from that? Absolutely. We are a part of the county. We receive uh, we receive uh, state dollars. We are a public school. We're not private. We're nonprofit. It's the same. It's just that the district, the district is our sponsor, but we're allowed to explore this idea of how we want to teach our students and under the under the guidance of the district. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. Now you mentioned you mentioned um, that you use a particular educational model that is, I, and I can't remember what you, you said. Different learning modalities, right? What? What? Yeah. Go ahead, please. What is that? So Howard Gardner uh, from Harvard, um, you know, he put out this theory that that people have eight different intelligences. And in the traditional schools, the focus really tends to be on academics. You know, you want your students to be more academically. 
So with multiple intelligences, I was just explaining that it makes you look at the whole child. You don't look at just academics. You don't look at just sports. There are eight different ways that Howard Gardner kind of uh, theorized that people are, you know, have an intelligence or are smart. So it could be logistic, natural learning there. Um, j- it makes you just take a, a really good look at the whole child and not focus on one thing. Well, it, it's uh, it's interesting that you're hitting upon that. Because I had a stint in corporate training, and that I got I got a flavor of that, if you will, mm-hmm. because in adult learning, which is really different from childhood learning, is you do have to kind of hit the different uh, techniques from from different angles that you're going to use in a particular, whether it's a managerial training or whether it's soft skills or technical right. skills. Actually, it's more it's more like it's more like soft skills, but you you do have to account for different learning modalities and really switch it up because people learn in different ways. Mm-hmm. So that, that really resonates with me. Well, I'm glad I, it seems to be a concept. It's it's a very natural concept. But when you say multiple intelligence, it just kind of sounds a little frightening. But right. it's just, it just highlights the fact that people are brilliant. You know, children are beautiful, brilliant um, people and they're learning right. in so many different ways. I love it because it gives you so many different platforms to celebrate a child. You don't, it really helps their self-confidence to know, hey, if I'm not good at math, but I'm amazing at music or I'm really great at right. taking pictures. Right. So it gives the whole family something to celebrate. Right. And and I have uh, three children. They're of course grown now. And looking back now, I wish I was a little more educated to that point because you want your child to exceed in all the subjects, which mm-hmm. typically that, that, and that's a rare child that really does. And, <laughs> and typically that child maybe has an innate desire to learn everything, right? but some are better in numbers. Some are better with words. I'm a word guy. I'm not necessarily a numbers guy. Mm-hmm. And so really playing to their strengths and, but at least making sure that their weaknesses are at a level where they can go on to the, to, to the next Exactly. Uh, to, yeah, to the to the next level uh, is really what you need, I think. Yes, absolutely. Acknowledging where your strengths and weaknesses lie is really pivotal to multiple intelligences, and also embracing that growth mindset, knowing that you can work hard and you can strengthen whatever your perceived weakness is. You can strengthen wow. that, and you can use your your natural talents to help you overcome. So like you said, you're word smart, but let's say that you were not so great at math, but you know you're word smart. So they can help you study math. It can give you a way to get better at it. So it's really cool and how it helps a person get better, not just academically, but just all all around. Yeah. And I appreciate the fact that that you just touched upon work ethic there, that you're, you're really saying to the students, if you can work hard or when you work hard, you know, good things are going to happen. And I think a lot of that's missed in today's um, message. I I agree with you because um, especially within my tenure of just teaching, uh, sometimes a lot of times students will come and say, oh, I'm good at reading because my mom was good at reading or, you know, I'm not good at this because my dad wasn't. And they think that that's just it. No, you can actually actually work hard and get better at something. Sure. I mean, as a kid, we have, you know, our parents are our first models. So it'd be that, that, that would make perfect sense that that's how a lot of kids see the world. Well, well, tell us a little bit more about the school. How many grades do you have? And uh, just just kind of lay that out for us. 
Well, we are kindergarten through fifth grade. Um, we had 150 students this year. Um, we would like to have at least 200, you know, um, with the with COVID happening, everything kind of took right. a dip. Um, but we would love to welcome more students on our campus. So our classes are set up. There's about one teacher per grade level. And then we have our gifted and talented ca- classes so that our students can receive a lot of enrichment in their day. And then we have our class classes where our students may need a lot of support, but we mm. want to make sure that all of our students, no matter where they land, they get the support they need. We have um, about four electives allowing them to do, you know, PE, art, technology, and things like that. But we're aiming to add the other four. We want to have all eight of our multiple intelligences represented in our electives. So that's what I'm really excited about moving forward for next year. Um, when you mentioned Word Smart, I'm excited to, you know, add in our foreign languages department so that our students can learn more languages. It's going to help empower them for our future. Absolutely. And of course, in my day and age, coming from the Midwest in the United States, I mean, language, you know, you always had your Spanish and and that sort of jazz, but basically you wanted to get out of those classes as soon as possible. But it's becoming essential, I think, to become at least, I don't know, necessarily proficient, but but certainly if you can pick up a second language, that just mm-hmm. puts you way ahead of everybody else because of how some of the cultures and ethnicities are being melded together. And mm-hmm. obviously, obviously languages along with that, we're just seeing a huge influx of Hispanics right. into this country. And uh, so being able to converse in that language, I think, is, is certainly a value add and it can help you with jobs, career, et cetera. It is. And I and I like moving past Spanish. You know, one thing I've learned as a teacher, my um, students that spoke Spanish were like, Dr. Evans, why do I have to take Spanish? I speak it. <laughs> I said, well, we, we speak English. You got to take English forever, you know. But, right. you know, Mandarin Chinese is really important. And yeah. being able to just, you know, Haitian Creole is important. Russian, every, all these languages are important. They are. They are. You know, they learn, our students learn, uh, pick up languages easier the younger they are. So I just want to be able to introduce those languages so our students have a chance to communicate. Wonderful. The more people they can communicate with, the better they have at just being successful all around. So, so what is the typical scenario of a family that comes to you? They say, Johnny or Susan or Sharika, you know, come, they come to you and they say, you know, we're, we're having a rough time mm-hmm. in traditional school setting. What does that typically look like? It could be, uh, you know, and parents, and again, you got to love Sarasota because we're filled with so many amazing schools. But when it's your child, each experience is very personal. Right. You know, so parents may come in and say, oh, my student, my child was bullied horribly at this school. Yeah. Or they may have uh, had the perception that they were not supported. They felt like maybe, you know, their child wasn't as important as the next child. And sure. I got to tell you, that's one of the things I'm most proud about because I'm the parent of those those kind of kids. We have three, three children, you know, they're not the smartest. They're not, they're not the most athletic. They're the ones that just doesn't cause any trouble and they are easily overlooked, you know, easily, you, you're really easy to forget one of my personal kids is sure. in the classroom. They're just sweet. They're not going to get chosen to do stuff, but it's like, how do you highlight that? How do you make every child feel super special and find ways to give them all a platform to shine? Cause I don't want students in my school to just go through my school and never be noticed or recognized yep. for anything. Yep. So when parents come in with those type of uh, 
those type of stories and we take them on a tour, they easily see and feel the environment. You got, Bob, you got to get on this campus. You got to take a tour. (laughs) It's in the air. You can really feel how we know our students. We know we know the entire families. We know family pets. And we make sure that <laughs> we look after these children because it's really important that we keep them safe and we give them a great education. And in our world, you know, our families are learning that they don't have to do it by themselves. You are supposed to have a village to help you raise that child. And we aim to be that village. Well, it, it also seems like you put a really strong emphasis on parents because I'm, I'm on your website right now, which is suncoastschool.org, and you have a tab there just for parents. And then you go throughout the website, and there's several different areas where you are asking parents to be involved, right. be aware of what's going on. And as you and I were talking before before we hit record, you know, there's a lot going on in the country right now where, where parents are upset with the school boards because they feel like they're not being transparent. But you, it looks like you guys are the antithesis of that. You're all over that. We absolutely aim to be as transparent as possible. That's going to come from leadership. I have an amazing board that supports me and all my Mississippi upbringing that just puts it out. <laughs> this is what it is. There is no pretense. Um, so, and my staff runs with that. You know, we are not afraid to own up to a mistake. We're not afraid to lay out our plan to correct anything. Um, and with with our our efforts to get our parents involved, that's such a passion project for me because another thing people don't realize about me is that I grew up extremely poor in Mississippi. I grew up on a farm. I was driving at age four. So right. they see Dr. Evans now and don't realize that I was extremely, we didn't have running water, lights or anything, but guess oh, what? Oh my had no idea that I was poor until somebody told me that when I was in high school. <laughs> wait, wait, what'd you say? What? You know, we all not living this way. It was such an amazing upbringing. Um, and I'm able to connect with my parents and, you know, basically make sure they have their dignity um, because I respect everything about them. The fact that they choose our school just makes me a partner. We're not here to judge anyone. We're here to help as many people as possible because that's really how you change the world. Well, you, you know, you, you you touch upon your upbringing and you really came from from really, really tough circumstances and whatnot. You know, why did education as a career appeal to you? And then what drove you really to become a doctor? You know what? Well, let's start here. I never planned on being a teacher at all. That was <laughs> not it. I was supposed to be an attorney. And I went to Jackson State University and Dr. Maria Harvey over the Honors College. You know, she was like, Sharika, baby, you should be a teacher. I'm like, I'm not going to be a teacher. They don't make any money. I'm not doing right. that. Right. You know, I got to help my family. But uh, she put that idea in my head. And honestly, it was two weeks of very vivid dreams. I remember trying to ask God, please don't make me be a teacher. I'll go back. I'll volunteer. I was trying to barter. But these dreams were very vivid. And there was these children. They didn't have, I couldn't see their faces, but I could see their hands. They were reaching out to me. And oh. one day I walked across our campus, uh, Jackson State. We had a a, a, a childcare center there and a little girl stuck her hand through a fence and reached towards me. I ran across the campus crying. Dr. Oh. Harvey changed my major and she said, very good, baby. Very good. And then <laughs> there you go. So I decided I'm like, I'm teaching, but not because I wanted to. It's right. what God told me to do. So I try to make sure I be still and listen and let him work through me. 
Well, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Where, so where did you come from before uh, you were with Suncoast? Mm-hmm. I um, am a wonderful product of the district. I came in 2005 um, because in, in Mississippi, I would have needed to teach three more years before yeah. I can get my doctorate's degree. Yeah. And I was on a mission to get it before I turned 30. I thought right. that was going to be cool. I also didn't necessarily love education. You know, as I learned about it at Jackson State, I knew I wanted to change some things and I knew I better have a doctorate's degree if I was going to be protesting. They was yeah. at least going to have to say Dr. Evans, you know, was was talked to for protest and not just, you know, Miss Evans or whatever. Um, but as I came to Sarasota County, I worked at Emma E. Booker. Uh, for the amazing Gwendolyn Tose Regal, who's known as the 9-11 principal. Uh-huh. Um, she was an amazing mentor for me. Uh, Dr. Eunice Jordan in Mississippi was my first, but um, she kind of handed me off to Miss Regal. And Miss Regal uh, gave me a, a job at Emma E. Booker. And that's where I was for the for most of my years until 2013. I went to Phoenix Academy and then I went to Booker Middle School. Um, and then I left and came to Suncoast to start learning about charter school. I came in as a teacher. What, what, so you were working and going to school at the same time? Absolutely. Oh, my. Well, yeah. Bob, I'm from Mississippi and yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. working on that farm. I yeah. didn't know how to not work hard, you know. Yeah. I'm sure <laughs> and when indeed. They, when the casinos came to Mississippi and changed the landscaping of things in the Delta, you know, I was I drove seven hours a day to get my master's degree. Oh my goodness! Every day, seven hours a day. I oh my goodness! And well, that's quite a story. Yeah, and that's that's a tribute to your tenacity, and I'm sure that you can share that with your students as they're coming up Mm -hmm. and they're struggling. And you say, "Listen, this is what I went through." So it's a wonderful story, and you're modeling the type of behavior that I'm sure you want to see the kids follow as well. Exactly. And when I talk with my parents, you know, again, they don't know that. They just see Dr. Evans. But when sure. they hear a little right. bit, it, they do get inspired. It's like, you know what? We can get past this. And I'm always yeah. telling people, do not look at a temporary situation with permanent eyes. This is just temporary. And Good so for it's, you. it's That's just a, motivating it, them to move past it. Yeah. Well, as I was starting this podcast, I have to remember that as well, because when I was looking at software integrations and mm-hmm. uh, all the learning curve and whatnot, I had to say, just take another step there. So that's great. Well, <laughs> listen, let's talk a little bit more about a Suncoast. You have an inter- interesting part of your model is a peer model where you connect some of the younger kids with the older kids. Tell us about that, why you did it, and what are the results that you're seeing? So this is a this is something I did even as a teacher within the district schools. You know, we always at our school, we take our fifth grade and we partner them with our kindergartners. They're called the kinder buddies and they read with the kindergartners. They model how to walk through the halls. They even attend field trips with the kindergartners. And this does just wonders for both both grade levels, actually, because the. The fifth graders get to practice their reading. They get to practice being a role model. The the kindergartners get someone to look up to. And guess what? They get a friend. Not every kindergartner has a big brother or big sister, but they kind of get that built in into our program. And so we've gone now from our fifth grade. We also have fourth graders that say, hey, I, I want to do that. I remember doing that in kindergarten. And so it's really amazing to see that because that helps build that family atmosphere we look for. Our 
kinder buddies, our fifth graders make sure they support their kindergarten buddies in everything they do. And the kindergarten buddies do the same for the fifth grade. And it also connects those families because when you do a field trip, the families connect. So it just really helps build that community we're after. Does it help to, because bullying has been in the news for you know years now that you see a lot in the schools and whatnot. Does it help keep that down as well? I believe that it does. And bullying is is something that I highlight at our school. We have a hero program because I know how hard that can be. And it can also be hard for children to speak up. And so one of the the things that we just uh, we just completed, we had our first student government association. This is my third year as the executive director here. But when I say that was a tough debate, they had debates, they had campaigns, but they were really looking at bullying and how they're going to help stamp that out. And it's all about empowering our students to speak up. And give them a way to do that. So we have several different ways for children to report bullying, but they might need a little help. So uh, when we have a mentoring program like that, we're able to get that. Fifth graders will hold a kindergartner's hand and say, let's go together. Let's go make this report together. And then we immediately investigate and do the things. But they feel supported. They feel supported and they know they're not alone. Well, I I just thought that, you know, particularly kids at that age, if they feel like they could be a big brother or a big sister, now they have responsibility and they have, actually they have status. I mean, positive status, right? Right. Because they know now I'm responsible for a younger child and I have to model the type of behavior I would like to see, Mm -hmm. you know, my, my, I don't know what you call them, my mentee Mm -hmm. follow. So I think that that is a wonderful, wonderful model. Well, thank you so much. And we, you know, we teach our kids to um, candidly collaborate. We're teaching them to do restorative justice. They're really starting to, I'm excited about this upcoming year because our student government association, they're going to have a big part in helping us get our message to all of our students in the, the way they need it. We're grownups. We're telling them things. They look at us and smile, but we're tall. You know, they need <laughs> someone at their height that can say it the way they need to, uh, the way they need to hear it. So we're excited about this partnership with our student government association. Oh, well, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. As we start to wrap up here, let's see. I want to make sure that people know where you are. Where your location, you're at 854 South School Avenue in mm-hmm. Sarasota. And where where is that exactly? Is that's it's really close to Sarasota High School. It's just yep. down from Payne Park. So I can okay. you know, look out my office window and see Sarasota High School kids transition. So where it's this sounds like a an interview for uh, for a job or whatnot, but where do you see this school in the next three to five years? Oh my gosh. I You're going to see this school. <laughs> I think that people, we're going to become a destination. People are going to travel here to see this school, to see how we teach our students and to learn more about multiple intelligence, because it's not, it's not a model that is duplicated everywhere. We're going to be yeah. pioneering a lot of things. And as I mentioned, this is my third year here. So we're getting back to our roots and we're defining what that looks like. This upcoming year, my entire staff will be uh, getting certified from Harvard University um, so that we can make sure we deepen our skill set about multiple intelligence. Howard Gardner is is really, you know, an amazing person with some great theories, but a lot of people haven't taken time to just study it or to see how to implement it into a school. So that's what we're going to be exploring. Yes. And and typically, and I, I didn't want to end on, typically I end on that question, but I, I didn't want to stop there. With, with the eight learning modalities or the eight mm-hmm. learning 
um, levels that you talked about. You say it's not used in, in many schools. Obviously, you're going to play to the child's strengths. What mm-hmm. do you What do you do about the weaknesses? Because they do have to move on to the next level. They do. So you have. I mean, we're we're a public school, so we have all the certifications that exist. Yep. You know, everywhere else. So we match that up. You have your reading specialists work with your students that are um, struggling in reading. Uh, Sarasota County does a great job of making sure that we use like high quality programs and things that have been proven to work um, with their effectiveness. And so we remediate, we remediate, but we do not forget to enrich as well. And we also don't make it be all about remediation. The child is not going to want to come to school to just continuously work on their weaknesses. They have to explore what they're good at as well. So we seek to find a balance. Oh, that's great. Well, Dr. Evans, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. And if people want to find out more about you, they can go to the Suncoast School, excuse me, www.suncoastschool.org. You have a wonderful website there. You also can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and also YouTube. Again, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Is there anything else you want to leave us with? Well, I I just want to leave you with a big Thank you. And I want to say (laughs) welcome, everybody. We have open enrollment every Tuesday, but any day you want to visit our school is a great day. We really welcome the community. We welcome the partnership. I look forward to meeting every last one of you that are listening. I'm excited to see you. Come on out. (laughs) Well, that's a wonderful invitation. Dr. Evans, thank you again for being on the Sarasota Stories podcast. I appreciate you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. We will. Thank you, everybody. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for stopping by. I sure hope you enjoy listening to our interviews as much as we do providing them. If so, would you do me a little favor? Go to sarasotastories.co and enter in your email. That way you'll get notifications of all upcoming episodes. Also, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And remember, no matter where you go, to listen, learn, and connect. Connect.